Joe presents TKO together with 32 Red. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of TKO here on Joe together with 32 Red. We're a podcast and YouTube show and we'll be with you every Thursday. Uh, big year for boxing last year, 120 estimated live shows, over six broadcast platforms in the UK alone. And with 2019 set to be even bigger, we'll be here every week on Thursday getting our tea stuck into the big issues with special guests, live exclusives and much more besides. Very pleased to say one man who'll be joining me throughout the journey this year is Carl Frampton, MBE. Good to see you, mate. How you doing, Matt? All right. Um, I got a bit of stick uh, when the, the trailer came out last week because uh, a couple of people said to me, he said, oh, you got hurt by, uh, hurt by featherweight to the body. I said, if you think Carl Frampton is a featherweight, you need to have a quiet word with yourself. Right now, I'm not a featherweight right now. Never near but a featherweight right I now. Punch, I'm a featherweight. I punch as a featherweight. When I fight, I'm a featherweight. And you're now what, a welterweight, so. Well, does, does, that, does that count? I'm still a featherweight. Yeah. So... You get hurt by a fellow, really. I'd sure I'd no notice either. So <laughs> everyone knows you're vulnerable to the. Body I have to say, it was like it was kind of sixty percent, yeah. a bit more than fifty. So not cool. Not well, don't do me blood. too many favors in oh. front of everyone. Um, so good to see you, you looking rested and well. Um, after, what, that mean? what does that mean? Like fat? Uh, looking <laughs> looking full and healthy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I guess it's a danger having. Uh, obviously, you, you're going to blow up a little bit after a fight night, but when three days after a fight night is Christmas Day, yeah, it's always going to be. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, do you know what? It's something I've been kind of thinking about a lot, and as I get older, it's always you know, weight goes on easier. It's harder mm. to get off. So, I've uh, I've been teetotal for like over a year now. Yeah. Last Boxing Day was the last time I had two Boxing Days ago. Was the last time I had a drink. Tell a lie. On New Year's <laughs> Eve, I had two bottles of beer. But I'm still teetotal, really. Two <laughs> bottles of beer isn't... No, that's isn't fine. It. So that's this is all to do with not ballooning in between fights. Yeah. A little bit more maintenance required at this stage of the career, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, most weeks, we're going to have a third guest. We're going to be on the road. Um, for those of you watching, um, we'll, we'll be filming some of the stuff on location. I think we'll watch it to Belfast plant at some point. For yeah, you. yeah. Um, but I think today, to, to kick us off, it's probably good that you and I just chat together because we've got a fair bit to talk about with regards to your own career. Yeah. Um, given everything that happened in December... It's probably worth us starting by talking about the fight, which I think I'm right in saying you still haven't watched. Still haven't watched. Yeah, it's uh, still a bit raw for me, if I'm being honest. I, I will, I'll have to watch it at some point, but I'm just not ready yet. Let me just speak to my counsellor first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here, mate. We need to get you like a Shay Long, just stretch you out there. Um, for, for those people, of course, who, who aren't necessarily boxing aficionados, we're, of course, talking about your um, world title fight with Josh Warrington, yeah. December 22nd. Um, you lost on points over 12 rounds. Uh, is it fair to say that was your toughest fight yeah, in your career? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I've lost once before to Leo Santa Cruz. A fight that I lost. I did lose the fight, but... The Josh Warrington fight, I think, was a bit more clear. Um, he won the fight fair and square. I was hurt more than I've ever been hurt in a fight, especially in the early parts of it. Mm. Um, and it was pretty brutal at times. And my wife tells me that she's never going back to watch me fight again. Wow. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's a pretty. It was a, it was a brutal fight, but I, enjoy, I enjoyed. Strange as it sounds, enjoy fights like that. Why? Don't know. Having a clue. Mad man. Yeah, it's a bit, bit strange. Uh, just just before we get onto the fight, I just want to take you back because you were ringside for um, Lee Selby's fight with Josh Warrington in the summer where, where Josh obviously won the IBF. Um, you're there, I guess, on partly 
you're there for, for the broadcast with Five Live, but also on a kind of scouting mission because you yeah. know at that point you're both with Frank Warren, so it's an easy fight to make. You know you've, you've beaten Anito Donaire. It's the logical step for both of you. And I imagine talks were held to kind of say, look, there's a chance you guys could fight. Yeah. Is there a, a kind of collective responsibility that we have sometimes for underestimating fighters because we kind of create a narrative and the narrative with that seemed to be Lee Selby was a little bit shot um, at the weight because he's a big, big featherweight. Yeah, yeah. It definitely didn't look as he looked in the early part of his career at featherweight. No. Um, and that Josh Rowington got him at the right time. It was all about the build-up to Leeds, the football stadium, his kind of grudge against Lee Selby as it was yeah. and that everything came together and that people still didn't quite rate him as highly as, yeah. as they might have done. I, I think that's probably... It's probably a fair thing to say, um, but I was expecting a very tough fight. I was expecting a physical fight, but one thing I definitely underestimated was his punching power, and he hurt me in the first and second round, and probably a couple of times as well after that, but um, that's what I underestimated his punching power. I knew that it's going to be physical, he's going to be strong, but I've been hit by big punches before. And I, I still believe he's got a good chin, a solid chin. You look at his record, doesn't really suggest he's a puncher, but yeah, he, yeah. Can, he can wallop. So so opening round, I don't know, you know, you, you and Jamie Moore obviously put a game plan together. I guess a guy like him, the things you do know about him at, at that point is that he's got a very high work rate, yeah. a great engine from, from start to finish. We saw that against Lee Selby. Yeah. And you know he's going to try and set a pace because ostensibly you are the boxer in, in that fight and he's the workhorse. Yeah. So was the plan to go and try and earn some respect from him? You know you're heavy-handed yourself um, and kind of establish yourself in the first one or two rounds to try and just cause a little bit of hesitancy. No, in him. no. The plan was to box him and to stay on the back foot, try and hold it in the centre of the ring, but take little steps, um, not kind of push forward um, and make him we knew that he well we thought that he was going to just come the whole time yeah. the whole fight so you want to make him cautious about doing that you want to nail him hard so he thinks twice about coming forward well, that's but what i mean yeah that so that was the plan but it never worked out like that it's you know first round i was hit I'd, it's because i haven't watched it back it's then kind of still don't really know what went on but i was hit and i i stood and had a fight in hindsight what i should have done was hold on to him or even take a knee, a 10 8 round probably would have been better than getting beat up and losing the round, but you know, by only a point, 10 9. But I, I lost it big. The first two rounds, I lost big. Yeah. I mean, the first the first minute of the first round was, was cagey, and then suddenly he sort of burst into life. He catches you with like a long left hook as you're kind of walking backwards. And then, as you said, you stood in trading. You hit each other. You caught each other simultaneously with a right hand. Mm. It's almost like you dipped your head off center line into it. Yeah. I can remember Andre Ward doing a similar thing against Sergei Kovalev in the first fight, kind of dipped into the right hand. And then the second right hand that came straight through the middle from him, that's what almost sent you reeling all the way back across the ring, kind of went from left to right. Yeah. And, and it looked like you were in trouble. And at that point, the crowd kind of, the, the noise goes up in the arena, the commentators, John, you know, John Rawlin reacts, and, and suddenly you're thinking, flipping neck, this is, this is trouble. How aware are you of the, the noise when you get hit by a big shot and there's a reaction from the crowd? Obviously, you you know you know you're hurt anyway. But yeah. Does the does the kind of sensory experience increase when you hear like the, the crowd? Part? I think so. Probably does. It, it's it's a big crowd. It's not as if there's a you know a, a few hundred people or there was twenty thousand people are yeah. making a lot of noise and and two passionate sets of fans. So yeah, it probably does. But you know me, it's just a fighter's instinct kind of took over there, and it's probably the wrong thing to do. Where some fighters, the best thing to do would have been to hold on. 
take a knee, hold on to him, you know, not to fight back, not to wing. And I just, it was like, going back to like stuff you're told when you're a, a kid, I just stood and had a fight with him, mm. you know what I mean? And it's like, it's like machoism, or oh, you've hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. Mm. But it just went from bad to worse, really. So, so talk to me about how hurt you were, because you, you know, we, we've spoken briefly since since then. And you said it's the hardest that you think you've ever been hit. Yeah. Um, what does it feel like? Because you know, you you were down early twice against um, Alejandro Gonzalez yeah. in um, different, completely different. So, so talk to me about the difference between those. His, two. When I got dropped in El, in El Paso, it was like it was like your lights switch out for a second. So everything just turns off for one second and then I was up and I felt fine like fully recovered um, when I was hurt against Warrington I was thinking stay up stay up but I'm hurt you know I'm, I'm really fighting hard to stay what up. are you missing in terms of your senses at that point when you get hit is there anything that's, that sort of starts to go or nah, well, what do you feel like your, your balance is a bit crap um, shots are raining in from everywhere you don't see them coming um, it's a strange sensation but um in the onslaught in the first round and I, i'm not sure exactly when it happened it was either his knee smashed into my thigh or i've seen the pictures i haven't i haven't watched the footage yet but there's like a picture of me like almost yeah yeah, yeah your hands go up almost like trying to maintain yeah. your balance yeah and, and, I, and maybe i landed funny but i had a i done a bit of damage to my left leg and even if i wanted so the plan was always to move so even you know, after the, the first and second round, bad rounds. But yeah. if you go back to the start and start again from a fresh from there, my leg was, it was hurt me. And I think I'd done a little bit of ligament damage on it. There was some severe bruising on the on the, on the my leg and I couldn't get up on my toes. And it all, like, them first two rounds affected the whole fight. But Josh and his team had a brilliant game plan. Mm. Um, Josh carried it out to perfection. And he won the fight pretty convincingly. It's always difficult talking about injuries in boxing because I yeah. think it's the one sport where people pretend everything's going great when it isn't. You pretend you're not hurt when yeah. it, even just remember looking at Baddy Jack's face in the post fight interview yeah, yeah. and he and he went, no, it, this this hasn't impacted the fight in any way. And I thought, how can you how can <laughs> you be saying has, that, yeah. David David Hay after the the belly fight with his Achilles are clearly almost almost severed in two. Yeah, but I guess I guess that's a reflection of the kind of you don't want to take away from. from yeah, I, I I don't want to do that. And you say like. You know, this isn't an excuse, but it is an excuse, and that's what it is. Yeah. So, um, I, you don't like the you don't like the takeaway. You're right, but after the first round, I remember walking back to the corner, and in my head, I was thinking, "Don't tell Jamie, you've hurt your leg because of how bad around it was." He might think I want out and I want to quit. I'm not a quitter, and uh, so I didn't tell him about the leg until till after it. I remember actually standing in the went to the hospital and stuff the doctor was a wee bit concerned about the swelling in my head <clears throat> and we're standing in A&E and I tried to turn and my leg gave way and people thought it was my head yeah. and everyone rushes around but it was only my leg um, couldn't bear a lot of weight but adrenaline obviously takes over and you can get through it and you can do what you need to do in a fight well not really what you need to do but you can get through a fight but my plan was to get up on my toes and be a lot more active on my feet than can do it. Yeah, we'll come back to that just in a moment. What's that? Um, what's that hospital experience like? We don't hear a lot about that. Is it is it kind of part of the course? Do you always have a hospital hospital visit after a fight, no. or is it only after specifically? Yeah, particularly hard yeah, fights? hard fights. And I, I went back. I went back to my head was sore, very sore, very swollen. I went back to 
um, a hotel room. We had Dr. Martin Duffy, who works for the British Board of Control, uh, and he's a friend of mine now. Um, and Martin, he stayed with me, fair play to him. He stayed around, and um, he just he just thought it would be best that I would go and have a, a, a scan um, in the hospital. So we went and done that, and it was. Uh, I think it's probably I was okay. But I think it's probably an, a scary experience for my wife, who was with me. My dad was with me as well. Mm. Um, yeah, so there was a little bit of concern. But Most you've ever had sort of pain in your head before. Yeah, yeah, and the swelling was increasing, and yeah. it was it was, like the pressures. Yeah, yeah, on your head. Yeah, so it was. Uh, it it wasn't it wasn't a nice feeling, but I was just tired, man. I wanted to go to bed. Yeah. I, I didn't really want to be in hospital, but I thought better safe than sorry. What about your? You've got two kids, Carla and Rossa, right? Yeah. So what questions do they ask? Because obviously you saw that you know, it takes a couple of days for the bruising to come out and obviously you're spending Christmas Day with them and, and stuff like that. I guess they've never seen your face anything like that before. No. What kind of questions do, do they... How old are they? They are four and eight. Right. So what sort of questions do they ask about Well, the four-year-old, he's funny, very funny. He is, um, yeah. He... Um, the first question he asked me, I didn't really... Well, he looks at your face and he's just looking at it and touching it and feeling it, but he asked me... Are you not a champion anymore? <laughs> oh. So he asked me I don't know, that anymore. <laughs> so um, it was funny, you know. What I mean, they're kids, and, yeah, yeah. and the things they say is pretty funny. My wee girl was, um, she's a bit more sensitive, so she was very like emotional and huggy, and but they were okay. They were excited about Christmas. They didn't really care too much after my face after the scene for about an hour. Yeah. Um, so they were just excited about about Christmas, I think. How do you feel in those those days after as well, when when the aches and the pains, like the adrenaline's worn off and the swelling sets in? Did you feel sort of? I was sore after yeah. that fight for quite a while. My neck and um, head like was sore to touch. Um, so that's yeah, part of the game, isn't it? This so, is what so, happens. Okay, so let's let's go back to to the fight because you know from watching it it back first three rounds as you say were pretty torrid for you you seem to actually just find your rhythm in round four weirdly mm-hmm. you just seem to kind of be punching inside his shots picking picking nice ones and twos right hands to the body and it suddenly looked as if okay you've weathered the early storm and then this is the pattern of the fight that most people had predicted that they would see yeah and then it was almost like within sort of a, a minute or so of that happening he then managed to kind of regain the upper hand did you at any point feel like you were right in the fight did you at any point feel like the tide was you had the ability to turn the tide and at what point did you actually kind of accept okay I have been beaten I didn't I didn't really um, I think probably after the first two rounds it was hard to, I was trying to box and do but it seemed like he was winning rounds and even rounds where I thought I was winning he was kind of there was a few rounds that he won big but there was a few rounds that he stole as well yeah. at the end and I never really thought that I could win this fight from probably four or five rounds in. Wow. But I I was thinking, I was conscious about this, do not get stopped. And I didn't want to get stopped. And that's that's what I was thinking about. I was I was trying to win. So maybe sound a wee bit like I'm contradicting myself here, but I was trying to win the fight. Well yeah, you were digging in. I mean Yeah, but I just didn't feel like I, I could. Uh John John Rawlin, I think, said it was, I think it was the ninth or the 10th because you, you put a lot into one of the sort of middle to late rounds where it was eight or nine mm-hmm. and then it was like, he said, at this point, Frampton's running on fumes. Yeah. Did it feel like that the last no, couple to you? No, or did you feel I, like I, and again, I haven't watched the fake back, but I've, I didn't feel, obviously it was a pretty physical fight, yeah. but I felt, I felt more exhausted 
in other fights, if I'm being honest. Um, so, you know, going from what other people are saying, Josh Warrington, I can't really remember the fight, to be honest. Yeah. Josh Warrington was up on his toes the last round, and people are saying, like, he looked like he could do another 12 rounds. I've never, ever looked like he could do another 12 <laughs> rounds after doing 12 rounds. Yeah. So, um, But I've, I didn't feel like I was any more tired than I have been in, in other fights. So we get to the 12th round, the decision's announced. Um, hugely emotional for, for you and everyone involved. There was lots of pleasantries between you and the team. It was nice to see sort of Jamie and Nigel um, with, with Sean O'Hagan. I saw Sean come up to you and give you a big hug as well. Loads of respect there, but must have been one of the most difficult points of your career, I imagine. For yeah, you. of course it was. And I, I wanted to win the fight. I believed I could win the fight going into it. And I was confident and thinking about um, Unifan and stuff with other other fighters, but just just didn't happen. Yeah. And, and I lost, and it was raw. Obviously, straight after the fight, you know, I was I was down the dumps, and I felt like I'd let a lot of people down. And um, yeah, I was I was annoyed. And, and initially, like when I got back to the change room, I was a retired fighter. That was me done. I'm done, finished with boxing. I think I told my wife that. I think I told my kids that when I went back home as well. Um, but you reflect and you, you change your mind pretty quickly. And I uh, I just thought, after about a week or so, don't want to finish like that. And I got it wrong and want to continue. How did um, Christine react when you told her that you were you were sort of thinking of calling it a day? She was happy. <laughs> yeah, um, she was happy. Um, yeah, very delighted, probably. But... She's still on my side now, and she understands, and and she knows where I'm coming from, and um, like it, it had a like if I had been in a training camp where I got beat up all camp, and then get beat up by mm. Josh Warrington, then I would have called it a day. But I had a good camp. I sparred pretty well. I was switched on, and I was going in that fight confident that I was going to win. I just got it wrong on the night, and, and Warrington was was very good, and um, I, I don't want to. I've had a brilliant career, but I don't want to finish on on that note. I I still believe, I still believe I can win a world title, and that's why I'm doing. It. I don't want to go down a level. I don't want to be fighting kind of European level or fighting for fringe titles. I want to be a world champion again. And if I didn't believe I could do that, then I would definitely pack it in. We'll come back to to that in a moment. We'll talk about the future. Uh, as well um if you're listening to the podcast uh we're a youtube show as well if you're watching the youtube show we're a podcast um tko on joe uh with our partners at 32 red um you can download it and subscribe by the usual channels and we'll be with you every thursday um we'll, we'll also be putting a hashtag out tko which you can get involved with um if you want to ask carl any questions we'll put them to him uh throughout the series now though here is alex payne mike tyndall and james haskell to tell you about a little something else coming up on joe Chris, thank you very much indeed. It's just a moment or two for us to duck in and tell you about the House of Rugby. We're into show 18 or 19 with James Haskell and Mike Tyndall. Show 17, I'm told by producer Sai. We're having a lot of fun. What are we trying to do with the show? Why should people be watching and listening? <laughs> we are Tracy trying to make it's something going, up. It's, this is going into another show so that people come and watch us. Oh, uh, hello, everyone. Uh, Say hello to nice people. Right. Well, we should basically watch House of Rugby because it's unbelievable humour. We don't talk about any rugby, uh, and we give you the inside track from people who are still actually involved in rugby, not old six-year-olds who don't know anything. Good. Tens, your views? Yeah, You've offended I, all the Irish. You've offended uh, well, most ba- of the clubs. Basically, we try and offend anyone who possibly works against the English. So the Irish have been hit hard. Um, we're just building up to the Welsh, and then we're going to finish off by 
fucking putting down the Scottish. Yeah, that's Good my mother in law as well. So, just perfect. want to reiterate we are a family show, despite the 30 second trail, including. There we go. Uh, <laughs> you can download us via YouTube. You can. No, you can. You can as you can tell, we're a very professional outfit. You can watch us via YouTube and download us via iTunes. I hope you'll join us at some point. It's a lot of fun, really. Thanks, gents. You're listening to and watching TKO with me, Chris Lloyd, and Carl Frampton together with 32 Red. Um, so just picking up off uh, the, the kind of, I suppose, the, the conversations you were having with Christine about um, deciding to, to actually not call it a day mm. and, and fight on. You've had conversations with Frank Warren yeah. in the last sort of two or three weeks as well. <laughs> um, just talk to me a little bit about the, the ins and outs of that discussion when you sat down and what, what was what I came from that. I sat down with Frank a couple of weeks ago. I've sat down with MTK as well and, and kind of told him what what I want, um, which is big fights. Um, the last thing I want is to have a scenario where you have to have three fights to get a shot again at a world title because if, if that was the case, I think I would pack it in right now. Mm. So... Um, they know what I want and everyone's all on board and, and I still believe, you know, I lost my last fight, not an ideal scenario, but I'm still a big name in the division and sometimes when you lose a fight, other fights can be easier to be made and that's happened in my career before where I was, I didn't lose a fight, but I was dropped in Texas twice in the first round. I got the Quake fight and the Santa Cruz so fight. Suddenly people are lining up. Off the back. Ah, so right. they see a vulnerability and they think we'll take advantage of that now. So, um, like there's already been discussions with Leo. There's already been discussions with Oscar Valdez. So these are potential opponents. Because um, Santa Cruz is, is obviously still got the WBA. Valdez um, and Warrington as a unification will have to kind of wait because, as we know, Warrington's got to fight your your mate Barry, yeah. uh, which is I think they won the purse bid a couple of days ago, that's right, didn't they? Yeah, uh, yeah. Frank. So that's that's good news for him, but well, good news for you rather yeah. because it opens keeps open doors. What about the possibility of um, heading back down to £122. Look, it's it's kind of been made a big deal out of recently and yeah. it's something that I was asked a question and I kind of just said, look, we'll keep everything open, all options open and and that was it. Like, I remember thinking when I I made Featherweight 126 pretty comfortably against Nanito Denner, very, very easy. Um, I weighed in at like 125 and I was thinking I could do super bant them mm. if if I had to um, and I actually put that to Frank and my team for the Windsor Park fight because when Luke Jackson was mentioned as an opponent I I wanted it to be a bigger name but all the champions were tied up and stuff so I actually said like if something comes up with super bantamweight I can do super bantamweight but I think I put on a little bit more muscle and a little bit more belly since then it'll be a bit of a struggle but it's an option it's an option but I'm a featherweight fighter um, I wouldn't say it's unrealistic, but you know you keep you keep all options open. Fair play to to Donaire making one eighteen for for the Burnett fight. Yeah. I know he wasn't he was never huge at no. at one twenty six, but it did seem especially because he's thirty five years of, uh, of age, and I think the last time he made it was two thousand and eleven. Yeah. But he looked pretty comfortable. No, he did. I knew that when he went in against me, I knew he could definitely do one twenty two without a shadow of a doubt. Probably one twenty comfortably, mm. but um, he done he done one eighteen. That was what I was going to say. Like if he does it, if he does it well, he's going to be dangerous for yeah. any of these guys. And um, that was a, a little bit of a concern for me uh, when talking about Nanito because it was just you know, he hasn't been down there for a long time. Yeah, yeah. But he looked he looked apart. And fair play to him. And if ever there's a lesson for you that, that it's not over till it's over. I mean, I know he he had a bit of a fortune, unfortunately, with Ryan Burnett and, yeah. and that tear, but. 
ultimately he's he's, he's now the WBA champion and, and big fights ahead with yeah. potentially Inoue Tete etc yeah Donar is doing that you you got to look at guys like Manny Pacquiao who's his last performance against Broner um, is the best performance he's had in years mm. Kovalev just won his title back incredible um, so there's life in the old dogs yet, you know what I mean? so <laughs> and, you're hard, and you're hardly old I mean 31 nah, is nah that's it I'm taking a lot of motivation from guys like that they just need to get back to doing what I do best and um, I can still be a world champion. I, I genuinely believe that. So, so just confirm. So, the negotiations and, and certainly contact has been made with with Oscar Valdez and, and Leo Santa Cruz's camps. Yeah. Out of those two, I mean, I know you know you, you want a piece yeah. with Santa Cruz. Would that be your priority hit list in order? Uh, that that probably because it's one each and a trilogy makes a lot of sense and it's a tough fight. As is the Valdez fight. As is any fight with a world champion yeah. in the division. But. Um, Probably, but do you know what? If you give me a coin, I'd flick it now and, and I would take any one of them. So right. we'll see. I mean, it's great It's great for the sort of lower weight divisions at the moment. I mean, Frank is, has done brilliant work with obviously yourself and Josh Warrington, um, the, the World Boxing Super Series, as we spoke about with Denaire and Inio yeah. and Tete and Burnett. Um, Eddie's kind of trying to make unifications with uh, sort of uh, Daniel Roman and TJ Dehenny, who I think you fought in the amateurs, didn't you? Yeah, I fought TJ. Me and TJ are pretty friendly with each other. Um, uh, he's a world champion. He beat me in the amateurs. He beat me 7-4, 7-5 wow. in the points, computer scoring. Yeah, um, yeah. Very, very cagey fight. The old days. And, and TJ is a is a cagey fighter. But I think someone like him deserves so much credit for, you know, I'm here, I'm based in the UK, and I've got a fan base, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting put in the position to fight for titles, and I have teams behind me who, can, who have a bit of influence. And... And that deserves credit in itself. But TJ to go to Australia as an Irishman and fight in Japan a lot of the time and fight on these small shows, go to Japan and win the world title, he deserves so much credit. Um, and uh, he's a fighter that I'm. I think that a lot of other guys can can look at and and take inspiration from. So, so for you, long term plan. I mean, how many more fights? Don't know. I don't know. Um, it's a hard one to say. I get asked that question quite a lot, and I don't really know. Yeah, um, I'd love to be able to fight until it was fifty, but I know that's physically. Christine yeah. would have killed you by then. Yeah, so yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. went yeah. happen. Definitely. So um, <laughs> no, I, I look. I'm not. I'm not one of these guys that wants. I don't want to go on forever. I've got two young kids. I'm. A, I spend a lot of time away from them. But while I can still be a world champion and believe that I can be a world champion and still demand enough attention to get in the big fights. I'll continue to box and and that's it. So I, I'm not putting a, I'm not putting a number of fights on it. But uh, what I will say is you probably count them on one hand. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, you've got a hugely loyal fan base as well. I mean, that's that's part of the draw for for Carl Frampton, isn't it? That the the Irish fan base, um, in terms of drawing numbers to to fights, in terms yeah. of enticing other fighters over, they know yeah. that you can fill big venues here. I I think like without blowing smoke, I think I'm one of the best supportive fighters on the planet. And as a featherweight, that's that's a big achievement. Yeah. Um, it's usually the big men that get the support. But I, like I brought five thousand people to Las Vegas, which is insane number. It was in January, just after Christmas. Um, there's not too many people that could that could do that. Um, when you think Fury and Wilder did what thirteen, fourteen thousand? Yeah, yeah. In you know in in a in a venue that holds sort of eighteen, twenty, and yeah. you're bringing five over as not yeah. a big man as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, a lot. I genuinely like. I owe a lot to the support that I've have that I had and have. Like they've, they've supported me in their numbers. They've travelled. 
Like when I fought Quig in Manchester, Quig's from down the road, and we took over the arena. Um, it's a bit more even with Josh because he's a big fan base yeah, himself. Yeah. But I genuinely believe that I'm one of the best supported fighters on the planet. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So I just want to put an imaginary scenario or hypothetical scenario to you. Um, if you managed to secure Santa Cruz or Valdez won that fight, would you consider rematch to unify with with Josh? Of course, I would. One like one hundred percent. That that would be would be a huge fight. I think because it was so exciting the last time, it would still do pretty well. I think there's an appeal for it, but. I'm not gonna look. He beat me per- pretty convincingly, but I know I can perform much better than that. Um, and we'll see. We'll see. This the, like this boxing game and the landscape is changing all the time. It's unbelievable, isn't it? All the time, like from week to week. So we will. Uh, we'll see. But I'm hoping to know a little bit more with my career in the next few weeks. But I think it's. I I personally, I'd like to fight in the summer. Like for me, I'll not fight until the summer. I've got a court case coming up with with. Mr. McGuigan and Cyclone Promotions um, in May for two weeks in Belfast. Get that out of the road and then uh, we can we can plot on, I think. Good luck with that. Yeah, thank um, you, absolutely. A um, couple of bits of news from, from two of your old uh, stable mates, Josh Taylor and, and George Groves. We'll start with George first. He, he's obviously uh, announced that he's hanging him up uh, yeah. about a week or so ago. Um, good decision from him, do you think? I think so. George has made a lot of money in his career, and especially later on in his career. Um, you, well, you talk about the frats fights, but the, in the in the super series, if if the rumors that I'm hearing, the money that he made are to be believed, then it's it's silly money, insane money. Um, so, but he's won a world title as well, and that was a dream of his to become a world champion. And I'm, I went on actually went on Twitter the other day to send him a message and just congratulate him and you know wish him well in retirement and he's unfollowed me for some reason. <laughs> me and George always get on pretty well, so there's an exclusive for you. Unfollowed <laughs> by George Groves on Twitter. Oh man! But um, um, yeah, no, George is a good guy and I, I genuinely wish him wish him well in the future. That's great. Um, yeah, because I'm in hell of a rebuild from him after after those two losses. Yeah, and I, and I I kind of know. What he was when he came back after Fratch because he boxed in a couple of Channel Five bills, yeah, did, yeah. and I I know that he wasn't getting serious money. Um, it's like Rebrasse and yeah, and 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 the, and the as well. Obviously, yeah, course, he had the, yeah. the, the the terrible injury. Um, but the money wasn't great. I don't think it was great. I'm talking about coming from Fratch level money mm-hmm. to that, and to still have a, a they aspire to be a world champion and getting like you know, a tiny fraction of what you were getting for the previous two fights. I think that deserves a lot of credit in itself for continuing to do that and, and finally getting his world title shot yeah. and winning it. Absolutely. Um, Josh Taylor's uh, opponent has, has pulled out uh, of the World Boxing Super Series mm. as well. Because he was, I think his debut was, was in El Paso when you fought yeah. uh, Gonzalez, wasn't it? Yeah. So he's come a long way, but a little setback from him. Um, I think the I think the stand-in is Victor Postel, who he's already beaten. Yeah. So a difficult position for him at the moment. Yeah, it is. And I, I, I kind of feel sorry for Josh. Josh is, is my friend. Like, I, I, Hank, we call him. He's a great guy and he can fight. That's the yeah. bottom line is he can fight like... There's no tomorrow, like unreal fighter. One, I love watching him. Love watching him spar. He has this real. Like we call him Hank from me, myself, and Irene. Yeah, yeah. The, the Hank character that comes out, and that's what he's like. He's like a split personality. So sometimes we say, "Full Hank was out today" when he goes <laughs> mad sparring. But he, uh, 
he he's a he's a fighter and a half, really is, and I hope that you know it's disappointing that he won't now be fighting for a world title in his mm-hmm. next fight. But Postal as well as a stand-in, someone who he beat, and he beat him convincingly enough. But to have to maybe come, go and fight someone like that again. It's a tough ask, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is a tough ask, and, and you have to talk about your desire and motivation as well. Um, it could be a banana skin, you know what I mean? And, and that's that's not what you want. I, I'd love to see Josh win the whole thing outright, which he, he could very well do. And that's obviously assuming it all goes ahead because there's, there's been kind of a lot of concerns about the finances yeah, and stuff. Yeah, there it, has right? been for, for quite a while, mm. and it's disappointing to see that because the format was brilliant, and the scene in the first, you know, the, the um, cruisers and Usyk won it. Yeah. Um, Groves and and uh, and Smith in the final as well. It was a it was a brilliant success for a boxing fan. Obviously, the businessman behind it maybe didn't see it as much as a success, but um, it's disappointing. It's disappointing because it's a good format and a very very exciting format. Certainly boosted. Is you know we talked about the the one eighteen division at the moment because it's put a couple of decent matchups together that might have taken a w- little while to make so at least those at least those guys are in a good position if it goes no further obviously we're hoping that's not the case but yeah. we don't know so um, each week we'll have a challenge for Carl and one of his guests and this week we're going to be finding out all about the man they call the jackal in thirty two seconds together with thirty two red are you ready go on okay three two one uh, best victory Santa Cruz hardest puncher Josh Warrington worst moment in the ring uh, Josh Warrington round one toughest opponent Josh Warrington <laughs> venue you most like to fight in Madison Square Gardens fighter you most admire Golovkin nice if you weren't a boxer what would you be a lemonade delivery driver <laughs> why because that's the only other job I've ever had <laughs> uh, word association Leo Santa Cruz Mexican uh, Belfast brilliant victory Yes. <laughs> Defeat. Shit. <laughs> Stop. That was bang on. That was all the questions I had. It's good, good job you, you did that because uh, we didn't have any more questions left. Um, I like that. So, lemonade salesman. Do you want to... What was a salesman? I worked, for, <laughs> I worked for a company. I didn't work for them. I helped a man who worked for them. Um, me and Lemonade. So, they're a pretty big firm back home. Yeah. And they deliver lemonade. So, so how, how old are you at this point? 15. Okay. Remember the first the first day on the job, right? So most people that you deliver to would have their normal bottles of lemonade. They would always get their regular bottles. Who's ordering lemonade? It's the thing that happens in Belfast. Is it? It's normal. So um, <clears throat> the first house I went to was in the Lower Shankle. And the guy who I'd done it with, Cooper McClure, who's a former boxer who now coaches my amateur club, he used to give me a few quid for being a lemonade. Del- I'd run in and give the leave the bottles down, get the money and give it back to him. Right. First house I went to on my very first day, he says, just go in, the, knock the door and walk in. The guy will be sitting there in his living room and he always gets the same four bottles, just get the money off him and walk out. And I walked in, <clears throat> there's a guy and his mate sitting in the living room of their house. This is like eight o'clock in the morning, drinking cans of stagger. With Hang on, what's Stagger? Stagger's like cheap shit beer. Right. Um, drinking cans of that. But he, he had his hair drew on with a permanent marker. <laughs> but he like done like sideburns and stuff. So he drew his hair on and done sideburns. And this is... He walked into the house of a serial killer. Yeah, he was, but he, he gave me a tip. He gave me Did a he? pound tip. So I liked him. And uh, <laughs> But 
I went back out and Cooper's like rolling around laughing like what's going on here? Was this <laughs> they all they all have their hair drew on? How long did you uh, how long did you do that for? About six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Temp work, yeah, zero hours. Good. Okay. Um first podcast pretty much done and dusted mate i think i think we've covered everything in in some detail thoroughly Um, enjoyed it good good man thanks for sort of getting into the (laughs) nitty-gritty not always easy to talk about uh a loss you know a recent loss as well so i appreciate it it. is what it is it is what it is um just a quick word for people that are watching later on today uh or listening today the 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 7th uh of of february is there's a, a hashtag going around called time to talk it's a mental health um push basically encouraging people to open up and talk about their experiences with mental health and ask friends um i was just doing a little bit of of, of research and having a dig through the archives and today is bang on 22 years to the day that lennox mm. lewis regained the wbc uh from oliver mccall and i don't know if you remember that fight but mccall had a, a couple of really weird rounds towards the, the sort of the, the third between the third and the fifth where he just started walking around not even looking at lewis in the ring um, and it turned out he was having a mental breakdown. And obviously, we're far more accepting of those things now. Yeah. But but at that time, he was kind of labelled as just this nuthouse guy yeah. and and stuff. Um, so Luke Jackson did a podcast as well on mental yeah. health too. Um, important subjects that, that when we have a platform, we need to push and talk about it at every opportunity. I right? think so. Like other things. Um, but mental health, I think, is, is an issue, especially uh, me coming from North Belfast. There's a high rate of North, North and West, West Belfast. A high rate of suicide amongst um, young men. Biggest killer, isn't it? Yeah. Young men. Yeah. And uh, I think Belfast is kind of the capital in wow. the UK for it. Like the in terms of percentage, it's more people commit suicide there than than anywhere else in the UK, which is staggering to think. And and there's obviously obviously reasons behind that. And um, but I think. If you can have help out and if you have a platform to do it, like Luke Jackson, Tyson Fury, these guys who have suffered before mm. and they openly speak up and are applauded and rightfully so, um, I think I think you should do that. Yeah, you're right. I suppose from from Daryl uh, from Darren Sutherland, who you're on the Irish team with, mm. to uh, like you say, Tyson Fury, Frank Bruno, Harold Graham. Of course, we know recently yeah. he's had some problems as well. Wish them all well, but it's great to to have that platform now and for people to be talking about it, isn't it? I think so, and and. Talking like Luke Jackson was a, was a a thing kind of close to my heart because I fought him, but it, it was strange. I didn't really want to look too much into it in the lead up to the fight with him because it was like I didn't want to feel sorry for him if I'm going to fight him, and I purposely didn't pay too much attention to it. But I've I've listened to a lot of the stuff that he's done um, since the fight, and uh, he's. Uh, is to be commended. He's a very strong person, mentally very, very strong. Obviously, he has his times where um, he's shown weakness, but um, to come out the other side smiling and, and to be fighting for world titles and, and doing what he's doing, traveling the world, uh, credit, a credit to him. Absolutely. Good luck to him. Um, thanks very much, mate. Thank you. First one done and dusted. Um, uh, and thank you all for listening and watching to first round of TKO here on Joe together with 32 Red. Uh, we'll be back next week in the build-up to the DeGale Eubank fight. So keep an eye uh, on stuff across our social channels for that. Also check out the House of Rugby with James Haskell every Wednesday here on Joe. And we'll see you again in seven days' time. You've been listening to TKO on Joe together with 32 Red.